You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Just Mercy. Tell me everything that happened. The first time I visited Death Row, I wasn't expecting to meet somebody the same age as me. From a neighborhood just like ours. Could have been me, Mama. But what you're doing is going to make a lot of people upset. You always taught me to fight for the people who need the help most. Your life is still meaningful. And I'm going to do everything possible to keep them from taking it. You don't know what you're into down here in Alabama when you're guilty from the moment you're born. God. Mr. McMillan. We done here. Mr. McMillan, please. I was just about to give up when I got a call from a Harvard lawyer looking to start a legal center for inmates on death row. I was in before he even offered me the job. You the lawyer? Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much for driving all the way out here. Most lawyers barely make time to call. I can't believe you talked to all my people and said you're going to fight for me. I did. That mean a lot. If you go digging in those wounds, you're going to be making a lot of people very unhappy. When people care about a thing that much, they'll do anything to get what they want. When I first learned about all this, it was like looking at a river full of drowning people and not having any way of helping them. You ain't quitting, is you? No, sir. Each of us is more than the worst thing that we've ever done. I know what it's like to be in the shadows. It's my dad. He do nothing wrong. It's never too late for justice. You're the only one kid enough to fight for me. If we can look at ourselves closely, we can change this world for the better. We all need grace. We all need mercy. I got my truth back. You gave that to me. And ain't nobody gonna take that from us. All right, everyone, you were just listening to the trailer for Just Mercy, and the story is as follows. A powerful and thought-provoking true story, Just Mercy follows young lawyer Brian Stevenson and his history-making battle for justice. After graduating from Harvard, Brian might have had his pick of lucrative jobs. Instead, he heads to Alabama to defend those wrongly condemned with the support of local advocate Eva Ansley. One of his first and most incendiary cases, uh, cases is that of Walter McMillan, who in 1987 was sentenced to die for the notorious murder of an 18-year-old girl despite a preponderance of evidence providing his innocence and the fact that the only testimony against him came from a criminal with a motive to lie. In the years that follow, Brian becomes embroiled in a labyrinth of legal and political maneuverings and overt and unbashed racism as he fights for Walter and others like him with the odds and the system stacked against them. The film is starring Michael B. Jordan, Jamie Foxx, Brie Larson, Rob Morgan, Tim Blake Nelson, and Rafe Spall. It is written and directed by Destin Daniel Crenton and written by Andrew Lanham. Joining me for this podcast review, I have Dan Baer. Hello, hello. And as a guest here on the podcast, I have Kafia Woods. Hey. Hey, welcome back. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, here to talk about Just Mercy today, a film that is one of the uh, last contenders uh, to be released this award season uh, as we pretty much, what is it, December? Yeah, it's December 30th. I mean, we are cutting it down to the wire with this film uh, coming out right now. So 
It premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival, which is where you saw Dan Baer. Uh, Kathy, yeah. where did you see the film? Same place. Same place. There you go. Uh, so you guys had uh, quite the jump on this one back in September. <laughs> now everybody else is finally catching up with it. I saw it a few months ago myself at the Hamptons Film Festival. And why don't we start off with you, Kathy? Uh, in regards to uh, Just Mercy, what are, what are like your general thoughts on it? Well, I knew about Brian prior to mm-hmm. this film. Like I knew the work that Brian had done. I knew about the lynching museum that he opened which I thought was also monumental and just, you know, know that he is just one of these rare human beings that is just infinitely good and has sacrificed his own personal life to help people. So I was very curious to see how, like what parts were they just going to focus on, on in his relationship with Walter or were they going to highlight, you know, and expound upon his work? I knew he had written the book. And um, so I was really like, okay, how are you going to be able to tell this story in like 90 minutes, for lack of a better word? And um, there were some surprises in there. Uh, I think for me personally, I think it's, it's, it's one of those stories where you're like, God, you know, like we're not learning. And, and, and there, I, I had so many questions how this guy was able to be, get railroaded. Mm. But as far as performances, I mean, first of all, I was like, oh, welcome back, Jamie Foxx, because we're not going to talk about Robin yeah. Hood, right? Robin Hood, mm-hmm. we're like, okay, you had some bills, so we get that one. But um, Rob Morgan is somebody that I have been talking about for a long time. You know, for people that aren't familiar with him, Mudbound, he played uh, Mary J. Blige's husband. Uh, he's in a... In a, in a sitcom on netflix it's about dogs and your obsession and re- relationship with your dog is called it's bruno he's also in the last black man in san francisco he's one of those guys where you may not know his name but he's been in everything and anything and this time i was like rob really had an opportunity to show people once again how amazing he is and people are finally saying his name along with the performance so for me he was definitely um the standard and again seeing Jamie Foxx like do something worthy of his talent. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely I think the performances are something to absolutely praise in this movie for sure and rob morgan especially i mean a lot of people uh, may not realize but i think uh the mainstream crowd might be familiar with a lot of his uh marvel work on uh netflix too so you're you're right cappy again to see him in uh, a film role now where he's really uh shining uh with a very very interesting role that gives him a lot to do is is great to see because I agree with you I loved him in Mudbound he was one of my favorite aspects of that movie and uh, he's one of those character actors that is just starting to slowly 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 get his name out there more and more so yeah definitely uh, very exciting Dan uh, what about yourself general thoughts on Just Percy I this is one of those films that for me it's it's fairly conventional in how it's scripted and how it's staged and how it's shot and how it's performed and how it's scored and all that. But in the end, like it does nothing but work. I, I was in tears by the end of this movie and I honestly would be shocked if most people who see this are not in tears by the end of it. It, it, the power of the story itself is so strong 
and the like you both just said, the power of the performances just really takes it home. And like Katia, I thought Rob Morgan was the true standout of this film. I he was the one that I walked away really talking about. I think he gets handed what is by far the best shot edited, scored, and acted scene of the film. And he absolutely nails it. And I could not be happier that there are lots of other people who also think that. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he plays a Vietnam veteran that's dealing with PTSD. And even though he's not the big name, Jamie Foxx is, and Foxx is the one that's getting the awards recognition, uh, partly because of his name and also because, you know, he's been nominated. He's a winner before. uh, And it's one of those things where eyes are always on him to see if he'll deliver another performance that'll bring him back to the dance. Mm -hmm. But Rob Morgan is doing something here that I think that while this may not be the thing that brings him you know, his first Oscar nomination, I think a lot more eyeballs are definitely going to be on him moving forward than there was uh, before, if that makes sense. In regards to my own general thoughts of the film, I kind of agree with you, Dan, in the sense that, yeah, I've seen this movie before. There's nothing about it that to me felt uh, special outside of the fact that this is based on real people, this actually happened. And that in itself is a very special thing. Um, Kathy had talked before about the work that Brian Stevenson does uh, with the Equal um, Justice Initiative. And it's really extraordinary work. I mean, if people take the time to research uh, the level of effort that this man has uh, put out there uh, to get people off of death row that are wrongfully accused, I mean, it is extraordinary. And I think the movie perfectly captures that and also, too, gives us a very sympathetic protagonist um, you know, played by Michael B. Jordan because he is young and he's kind of a fish out of water, right? You know, out of his mm-hmm. element, working in Alabama and the place where everybody is always so uh, happy to say that uh, is like the origins of like To Kill a Mockingbird and it's like everybody's like so proud of the town but it's like it's not a town to be proud to come from because of the overt racism that, uh, you know, really holds its grip over uh, the townsfolk, most of them who live there. So he's going there to exact change. And, you know, like you said, Dan, I I think we're along for the journey. We are with these characters, uh, Brie Larson included, and then um, also the people that they're fighting uh, for to get off. Rob Morgan, uh, Jamie Foxx, and also, too, O'Shea Jackson Jr. Yeah, very good. Prior to this, you know, he's been doing some more comedic uh, roles lately. It was nice to see him uh, stretch himself a little bit, you know, go into a period piece and then also to um, be a little bit more, um, show a little bit more of those dramatic chops that we saw a, gl- a glimpse of in uh, Straight Outta Compton. So yeah. I thought he I thought he was good and he fit in and he wasn't out of place either. Yeah, he was very good. You know, it's like the whole the whole ensemble is really good, actually. When you take a moment and you look at everyone individually, uh, for a minute, I, I was like, holy shit, is Tim Blake Nelson going to steal this movie from everybody? <laughs> you know? Because he's got some really, really great scenes as well. He does, and that... I think the only reason why he hasn't been walking away with Best in Show citations and whatnot is that that's a it's very easy to look at that performance and say that he's overdoing it Mm, yeah 
it, but the, like it's that thing where like it's a big character and he makes some big very Tim Blake Nelson y choices sure. in playing it. <laughs> um not and not that he's not great in that role. And there are some uh moments in that performance that really kind of shook me and with the how um shockingly honest and raw they were. Mm-hmm. Like I was really like not expecting it from that character at all. And yet he made it work. I think also we have to remember is like, you know, we're all, I mean, I'm, I'm, let me not assume, but I'm guessing if we're not from, but we live in very metropolitan areas, right? Yeah. And the thing that I always have to tell myself when you go to places like, and when I say down south, I don't mean like Dallas and I don't mean Houston. Mm-hmm. I mean like these smaller towns where and they say, oh, we're going down the road. You're like, where? Like, I didn't see anything. You know what I mean? Like, what, what are we mm. talking? Like, 30 minutes, an hour, two hours. Like, it's like time stands still. And I think, you know, what, what Tim did here is with this performance, he is showing the other side of the equation. That the lie that poor, um, for lack of a better word, poor white people are sold. You know, mm. yes, mm-hmm. you have nothing but at least you're white, right? Mm-hmm. And that was the, and I think this is a guy that, that, it wasn't exactly the best guy, but he's also a guy that was set up, was given this this, this thing that he doesn't have a lot of choices because yeah. he is poor, right? And in yeah. this case, they're telling him the lie. That's the lie, you know what I mean? Like, we can help you out of the crapper, so to say, because we have that in common. And I think, you know, what we're seeing, uh, at least is what I'm getting from you too, is when you see like the courtroom scene, you're seeing it click for him for the first time mm-hmm. that he bought into the lie, where in reality, he had a hand in ruining someone else's life, which further complicated his life. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that the way that the system, not not the legal system, but the system of the town itself and that lie that you're talking about, Kathy, I think that that's portrayed very, very well here. Um, and I, I, I think that there are people that want to do the right thing, that want to speak the truth, but there's a level of fear uh, that also goes into it that compels them to go along with the lie, even when they know it is exactly that. It's not the truth. Oh, absolutely. He, he's a guy who's not... He's never been courageous. He's never been, uh, you know, at first I felt like everybody, I felt like this guy is very unlikable. But as as you start breaking it down, you're like, he's he is another victim in this thing because they placated upon his fears. And again, the manipulation and all of that. I mean, I think that part of the movie... Um, works you know what i mean i agree the story is not like the way that they shot it like they're not bringing a a new perspective to it like you know to to kind of like say okay this is a story unfortunately that is consistently being told but we're going to 
put it this way to bring you in more. Yeah, I, I think that like Destin Daniel Crenton, and he, I wouldn't consider him to be like an auteur uh, director by any means no. or somebody with like a signature style. No. But one thing that all three of his films, Short Term 12, The Glass Castle, and now Just Mercy have in common is that they really, really do focus in on performance. And even The Glass Castle, which is definitely his worst film, uh, there there is a, a level of care and attention that is paid to the performances being given by Brie Larson, Woody Harrelson, etc. So I think that that is something that shines through the most in Just Mercy, and it's the cast that really helps this movie to um, separate itself from other courtroom uh, legal race dramas that we've seen before. And that's not to negate like that genre or anything, though. It's still a story that needs to be told. It's just that, for example, I would argue that uh, this movie... Uh, told uh, like this this story better than something say like Brian Banks, but I would not say that uh, both true stories are unimportant. You know, I think they all deserve to be seen. It's just that I, I think one works better as a film more so than the other. If that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. In, in talking about uh, then with Just Mercy, the the thing that I I, I always come back to, and Dan, I, you said it before, is uh, there's a, a very memorable moment towards the end of the film involving Jamie Foxx. Mm-hmm. Um, I am raising my hand right now, cried like a baby in the movie theater uh, when that bit happened. Oh, yeah. Good time. And that's when you like just know it's like, all right, the film works. (laughs) You know, if it got me to react that way, the movie works. Uh, And everything kind of like clicks. Oh, you're definitely crying. Oh, it was awful how hard I was crying. (laughs) I was crying prior to that. Like when he first meets his client, you know what I mean? And I'm thinking like, is he even going to meet him? Is he going to make it past this? (laughs) There are moments I'm like, uh, maybe you might want to take you just go on a little vacation for a little bit and then come back to it. Cause um, I really, I had, um, I knew he had gone through some things, but I did not know to the degree of which he had to endure in order to stay on his mission. Brian Stevenson? Yes. You know what I mean? There's some moments where you're just like, wow. And then I feel like, you know, when he first meets the family and and he asks the question, I can say it's because it's in the trailer. Well, who was with him? And everybody raises their hand and you're just like, okay. Wow, really? You know what I mean? You have 20, like 27, 30 people in there. I mean, they're definitely, like I said, is there are moments in this film where you're just like, oh my God, like your heart is breaking and you're just a mess. Well, remember the first time he goes to visit him at the prison and they actually make him strip search? I I mean, like. That's what I mean. It's so awful. My anxiety was so high. And I was like, don't, like, I was like, I didn't know what to expect. I'm like, are they going to beat him? What is the situation? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And you're just like, you know, that wears on you, you know? And 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 you're just like, oh, wow. You know what I mean? Well, it's interesting that you say that too, Kafia, because I think the part of the reason why the ending works uh, so incredibly well for me is because heading into this movie, I, I was aware of uh, who Brian Stevenson was and the work he had done, but I didn't know what was going to be the outcome of this movie because a lot of times in uh, courtroom uh, dramas, sometimes the movie works out and everybody uh, sometimes the movie goes the way where everything works out and it's a happy ending and sometimes a different verdict is read 
and then there is a really really tough moral lesson uh, that needs to be learned uh, at the end of the movie. And I've seen movies where it goes both ways, right? So I will say one thing I give credit to for this movie is that even though I felt like the filmmaking and the style and such was, you know, nothing remarkable, the level of tension and the uncertainty I felt as that final verge was being read, I, I honestly did not know how it was going to go. I, I really didn't. And there was just this amazing, uh, like, cathartic feeling that I felt uh, at the end of the movie, which obviously brings about the uh, the tears as a result of that, like, level of tension in my body <laughs> that can then finally be released. You know what I mean? So I, I, I definitely uh, give credit to the filmmakers and the uh, performers for being able to channel that and get that out of uh, the audience. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we... I think, though, it's important because, I mean, I, I I said that at the press conference. I said, my fear always with these movies, it's like, I need people to understand is this is not make-believe. Like, he really does this work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the, the gentleman that O'Shea Jackson played, he got him out of prison eventually, but much later. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I was reading like 2014 or something, whatever it was. Yes. And I mm-hmm. need people to understand that this didn't happen. Like, you know, yes, we're, we're obviously you can't do 20 years. You'll be in the movie theater for six days. But um, this was a long, very drawn out process and weary, you know, and, and also, um, for people to understand is that this every day he is working on someone's case that has very similar um, background. You know, it's don't just leave and be like, oh, this is cool. But think about what you can do to not be a problem. Well, that's definitely a, a big takeaway from the movie, too, is realizing that the work is ongoing and knowing that there is something that can be done. Uh, people can look up the Equal Justice Initiative and they can donate towards the uh, the cause and they can uh, do something to help the fight for those that are still being uh, wrongfully accused or have been wrongfully accused in the past and are still waiting however many years, decades even, uh, for their chance to be exonerated. So... Uh, I think that that there is a slight call to action with this movie, maybe not as hard as something like Dark Waters, for example, but I I, I definitely uh, agree that it's there, and the movie does a really compelling job to get people actively involved. I think by far the best thing the film does is go into these very systemic injustices faced by black men in the South and why this project, why what Brian Stevenson does is so important. Absolutely. And also people like I understand, like if you ever get a chance, there is a P was a P I want to say PBS. They did a piece on him. Mm. And you know, he's not married. He doesn't have a family. I think these are all conscientious decisions that he's made because he understands what is needed from this work. And I think also in the back of my mind, I'm positive he's gotten like death threats and all that crazy thing. Like he doesn't want to perhaps that get in the way. You know what I mean? Like this is his life. And you can hear how his siblings are like, you know, they want him to like, you know, take a breather, enjoy life a little bit. But he has dedicated himself to that. Also, people don't think I don't think realize how he's a lot older than what 
people think he is. Like, I, cause I know he looks young. So I think that's the other thing too. People mm-hmm. are like, oh, he's still a young man. And I'm like, well, he's not 22. No, mm-hmm. he's not. He's 60 years old. <laughs> that's a look at it. But, you know, I, I need people to, to also understand that part. But it's, if again, if nothing else in this movie, it makes you have so much more respect and admiration for him. You know, that's probably the one part of this movie that I have, like, probably the most issue with. I didn't feel as though um, I like uh, Michael B. Jordan, but I think out of everyone in the cast, he probably was the weakest link. And I felt like I'm not too sure that people got a good essence about Brian based on his performance. I I got the sense of a quiet dignity and strength and definitely emotional intelligence uh, from his performance. I will admit that it's it's a very unflashy role. Um, he's in that uh, kind of position where the lead is the more um, stoic and, uh, you know, quietly uh, reserved character while the supporting cast members, uh, you know, get to kind of do some crazy, wacky, flashy things around him. Reminds me a lot of, like, The Fighter with uh, Mark Wahlberg and um, uh, Christian Bale and uh, everyone else in the supporting cast, you know, around uh, Wahlberg in that film. But I I don't think he's... I don't think he's bad or anything like that. In fact, actually, I don't think anyone is necessarily bad in this movie, but the one performance that I wish we had just gotten more out of was from Brie Larson because uh, she had a leading role in both uh, Short Term 12 and The Glass Castle. And here, I feel like her character just doesn't get anything to do. And that was just a real disappointment for me uh, because we know how talented she is and we know what she can bring to a film. But here, I just felt like there wasn't really much for her here. Um, and I'm sure she's happy to help out her friend, uh, you know, Crenton, who she's worked with before. And that's probably why she's a part of the project. But, you know, when you have someone of her caliber and her name attached and you're seeing all these other performances get their moments to shine, I just kept waiting for hers and it never came. Yeah. She talked about this at the press conference. She, she when Destin talked to her about doing this, her first response was, does Michael want me there? Can I add anything? I think in her mind, she felt as though her job was to use her privilege, whatever she brings to the table, to um, help heighten the awareness of the film. Like she was there as a supportive person. So maybe that's how a she noble cause. It. Yeah, very like the character that she plays. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Uh, so final thoughts now on Just Mercy. Um, Kathy, I pass it off to you. Is there anything that we didn't talk about that you just want to briefly mention or if something you want to reiterate uh, about about Just Mercy? I mean, I hope that what the movie does is ultimately make you want to know more about Brian, the work that he's doing, contribute. Um, you know, I, I always like, I have a reason to go to, to Birmingham, Alabama, like two years from now for a convention. And one of the reasons I really want to go other than the convention is to see the museum that he set up. Right. I hope that it opens up dialogue for us to ask all of us, what can we do to make things better? You know what I mean? Whether it's sitting on it, showing up for jury duty, you know, questioning things that, that was my one thing, right? I'm watching this and I'm like, we had DNA evidence when this was happening. 
And none of it was discussed in any of these courtroom scenes. Like nothing tied. There was not a shred. Nothing was introduced. And I'm like, wow. Like, is, was there no one there to say, where's the actual physical proof? That's what stuck with me. So, I mean, I, that, I don't know about anybody else. Maybe I'm just, I watched too much CSI. But it really mm-hmm. did. <laughs> it did. I was just like, well, nothing. Nothing. No one. No one's gonna go over clothing and and go back. No one like the dry cleaners. That's what I kept thinking. And but I think overall uh, there are more positives out of this film. And again, I hope that it sparks conversation. Yeah, I, I think that the thing I come back to with that time and time again is how much. Um, especially poor black people uh, within uh, this community as depicted in this film are just used as a scapegoat because law enforcement and everyone else involved don't want to put in the the effort and they are uh, guided by uh, the level of racism to just simply uh, put it on someone like Jamie Foxx's character and just be done with it, tuck it away. The family gets some sort of quote-unquote justice you know, whatever the hell that means in this instance. But in their own fucked up way, that's how they see it, you know, and that's not the case. And you're, you're right. There is, in some cases, extremely minimal effort that would have to be done, like basic questions that one just needs to ask that could lead to the truth. But due to, like I said, just sheer um, hatred and laziness, um, you know, a, a different route is taken. And that's the real I think that's the real tragedy of it all. Um, and it's a shame also to just see that, you know, that sort of thing. While I want to believe, I want to, I always want to believe that we are better as a society. Um, I, I'm not blind to the fact that, it, you know, these atrocities still are committed today. And that's, that's another real shame, you know. So we need people like Brian to keep on fighting. And we need uh, people to still stay active and make sure that our our communities and people that, uh, you know, friends, family, whoever it might be, that they're being protected, you know, at all times, because some of these things, it's so random, you know, Jamie Foxx's character just one day is just driving down the street in the middle of the car and he gets stopped for what reason? Mm -hmm. And it's like, your whole life can change in an instant, just like that. And man, it scares, it scares the crap out of me to think that that could happen to really anyone. Well, and that's still happening today, right. unfortunately. And I think that's the um, one of the important things about this movie. And maybe that's part of the reason why I think this film, uh, the script and the direction kind of overplays its hand a bit. A bit. Um, it always goes like a step or two too far, but that's because they really want to make sure that you get it. Yeah. You know, this, this is not a subtle movie because this is not a subtle problem. You know, this is something that is so obviously wrong and that is still happening. So you people need to wake the fuck up and do something (laughs) about this now. Question stuff. Question stuff. (laughs) Like don't just sit there because you're trying to get home and you're sick and tired of being sequestered people. Like be Mm -hmm. the person in the room to say something's not right. And we need to ask why we don't have this. Why does, if it's in your spirit, right? We all do it, myself included. Like your instincts are saying, don't do this. Or you need to speak up. And we're so afraid of being the troublemaker or whatever, right? 
that we don't realize that maybe if you have the courage to raise your hand and say, I, I don't, I don't like this. And someone else will say, you know what? I feel the same way. And now we can progress to good, you know? Yeah. Yep. I yeah. was reading uh, earlier that the EJ, uh, EJI, um, Equal Justice Initiative, you know, since it started, um, has saved more than 125 people uh, from the death penalty. That is that is both an astronomical achievement, but also to uh, a, a, a representation of just how sad and sorry the state of affairs is that that is the number. You know what I mean? Um if it was a smaller number, hell, even if it was just one, it's still a monumental thing that you saved one person's life. But to save 125, there is something yeah. terribly wrong with the system if that's the number of people that are, uh, you know, getting – getting um, Railroaded. 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 Yeah. It's just, yeah, and those are just the ones that Brian is working. We haven't even gone right. about all the other situations. Mm -hmm. So, no, you're right. It, 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 it harbors on all of us. Um, you don't have to be the person out there, you know, getting arrested like Jane Fonda for speaking out for injustice, but you can be the person to say, you know what, guys, we don't have all of the information. Something about this is not right. And why don't we have all the information? Why do, don't they want us to have it? Why are they mm -hmm. only giving us what they think we should have? With that said, Kathia, what's your grade out of 10? I'm going to give this a, a six and a half because I really, like I said, is mm. I really like um, Rob. That's my guy. I think Rob is phenomenal. And I hope this, 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 you know, gets him more out there. I also think, you know, we are reminded Jamie Foxx is a good actor and, and, and even though he takes some foolish roles, um, and, you know, again, because I, I feel like Brian is such an amazing person that, um, in that part, you know, the, the movie did stay with me. Like I wasn't going to like, Hey, let's go to a party after this. I was like, right. I need a drink mm. and some quiet time after that. Yeah. You know? Uh, Dan, do you want to tell her or should I? Matt does not accept half points. <laughs> oh, sorry. So I'm going to make you either round down or round up, Kathy. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Seven it is. Uh, Dan, what about yourself? Uh, I am also at a seven for this. And that is largely on the strength of the performances and the ultimate uh feeling that the movie ends with it's incredibly powerful for all that it is obvious and kind of paint by numbers sure sure i i too am at a seven as well a, a strong seven because I, I tell you like i said i cried like a baby at the end of this movie and you guys all know how i feel i usually uh, give a extra point to a movie uh if it makes me cry so uh, this film definitely did that uh, in spades. Probably the hardest cry I've had during any movie this year. So if you, if anyone that's listening likes a good cry, check out Just Mercy. Oh, yeah. Oscar potential for this film. Uh, Jamie Foxx. Uh, he has been someone that we have talked about all season long as a potential contender. He was a little quiet uh, along the campaign trail, barely getting mentioned by the critics groups. Next thing you know, boom. There he is at SAG. Outstanding performance by a male actor in a supporting role. So now the question becomes, is Jamie Foxx going to get an Oscar nomination for supporting actor for Just Mercy? Because, I mean, I love Rob Morgan to death, but 
he has barely been mentioned even less than Jamie Foxx has so far. So, Dan, are you predicting Jamie Foxx as of today? I, oh Lord, I don't know. It's it's very difficult to predict, especially since this movie has opened so late and we don't really know how people are reacting to it. You know, it's very, very difficult. And the fact that he was had lost so much momentum earlier in the season. But I do think that SAG uh, mention means something. And I that was all I needed to go back to my previous belief that, yes, he would be nominated for the Oscar. Because, I mean, that's... It, it, it's still a tough category, I think, to find a way in, but it, it's such an emotionally impactful performance that I I find it would be very strange if it missed. And his strongest, too, since oh, yeah. Django, at Easily. least. Oh, his yeah. strongest since Ray. Thank you. Easily. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would say that, too. I, I definitely think it's better than what he did in Django, but, I yeah. mean, as far as... Uh, quality roles that he's had, you know, I mean, he had a supporting role in Baby Driver, and like he's done a couple of, I don't know, comedies and stuff. Like he's barely done much of uh, this decade. I feel like, you know, so it's nice to see him getting a role that does harken back to that raw quality that we remember when he was nominated that year for Collateral and for Ray. So, you know, I'm I'm with you on that in in that sense, and uh, you know, he's always been a pretty interesting actor that I've uh, I, I've always found. Um, when he gets the right role with the right director, he can be very good. It's just that I feel like he doesn't choose the right project sometimes. Um, but, it, you know, this is this is definitely his strongest uh, role in many, many years. Easily. So here's what I'm thinking now, right now. I think that he is the Mar... Yeah, I think he's the Margot Robbie in um, uh, Mary Queen of Scots this year. No, don't do that to me, Matt. <laughs> I, 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 you know, because think about it. That movie also was a late-breaking film. Yeah. She got a SAG nomination. She was also a previous nominee. No. I, I know, I know, you know, but it didn't materialize. It didn't go anywhere. No. Damn you and your logic. Was that Kafia? You know what it is. I. This is the thing. I think, and and you guys can tell me if you feel that. I feel like best supporting actor is one of the toughest categories this year. Oh, easily. You would have, I mean, I feel like best actor comes down to two and maybe one more person, but it's really a two man race. And, um, whereas best supporting, like you can, you know, I, I wouldn't even, you have, I'm surprised that look at, um, what you call it. If you've seen two popes and you look at Anthony Hopkins, why, really like in that mm-hmm. film and he's always money right he's given us so many great performances but it all depends on what you what your personal taste is do you like that a little bit more than 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 brad pitt and 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 as much as you know are the two guys going to get in from from uh, irishman now if you have pacino and Pashi both and from irishman so that only gives three more spots yep. so i agree he is on the bubble because, again, yeah. not enough people probably have seen this film, sadly. That's the big thing, I think, yeah. is that it's a late-breaking movie in a condensed season. And I will say Vincent Fox's favor. He knows how to work a room. So at any event he attends or any Q&A, he can charm anyone. And that definitely, I think, works out well in his favor on an Oscar campaign trail. But... 
once again, it just goes back to we're talking about this film on December 30th right now. Yep. And voting happens in about what, like a week or so? You know, it's ah, it's really, really tough. I mean, there can be an advantage in that. But mm-hmm. when that happens, if you're going to be the last one to break, you need to break big. Yeah. And well, is this going to do that? Little, right. I thought that 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 would get a little bit more love. Richard Jewell and. Well, Eastbrook dropped that on us. Like, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know what it's with him that he just likes to drop these movies at the end of the year and we're all supposed to be like, <laughs> oh, yeah, sure, let me make room for that. But even that, and I think that had a better, stronger push than, than Just Mercy. And even that is is having problems consistently finding its way on the ballot. And now to add, like I said, is all these other great, best supporting actor performances. And then you have two very, Light there and Netflix is out there campaigning for Pesci and for um Pacino, like nobody's yeah. business. It's hard for him to sneak in. And again, it might be one of those things where Netflix just ran a tighter campaign, had these guys out there trotting them around, and mind you, those guys are in their 70s. And uh, you know, this is a late surge, but maybe too late. Yeah. I just need to throw in that in this category, like, like obviously, you know, and God bless them for running such a big campaign, uh, but Pacino and Pesci both deserve it. But like Netflix is doing wrong by Wesley Snipes and Dolomite is my name. Oh like yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. That is my favorite supporting performance of the year. Probably. Uh, isn't he awesome? Isn't he wonderful? Like he's so I wonderful. Just, and such I a, keep saying that line that he says, but he plays film. When they're done finishing yes. filming, you know, I'll see y'all at the premiere. Wait a minute. Nah, there ain't going to be no premiere. <laughs> that sarcasm is, I love it, you know? So funny. <laughs> oh, very God. funny. Yeah, with, with that said, uh, that'll pretty much do it here for our review of uh, Just Mercy here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Kathia, thank you so much for uh, taking some time to be on this review with us and chat with us here. We really, really appreciate having you on. Uh, tell everyone that's listening right now where they can find your work on the internet. You can find it at Cup of Soul Show. Everything is Cup of Soul Show, the website, the social media, and all of that fun business. Thank you for having me. It's always fun to, to talk movies and, you know, to share favorite movie lines. <laughs> and you're just such a great presence on social media. So I, I want to thank you just uh, for just being you ultimately at the end of the day. Thank you. Dan Bear, where can they find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at DancingDanOnFilm. And you can find me in Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the Next Best Picture podcast review of Just Mercy. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you once again for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time.